This sermon is brought to you by Shofar East London. Together, living out the fullness of Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. So when we went to Franz Hook a few weeks ago, it was a Holy Spirit impact weekend, and the plan or the mission was to help them move into the supernatural. So Richard, the pastor there, he's been preaching for five weeks about the Holy Spirit, and, and so we were like really psyched for this weekend to see God move mightily, and he did. He blew our minds, because God is awesome. Amen. And so one of the things we shared with them, and what we often do here, is that we, we want to live from the presence of God. Everything happens from the presence of God. So can you open your hands in an attitude of receiving and surrender? So we taught them over that weekend, we taught them, guys, you need to receive from the Lord before He can move mightily through you. Thank you, God, for your presence here today. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. Thank you, Lord, that you are good. Thank you, God, that you desire to move mightily through each of our lives. And Lord, we pray that this day, freedom for each one of us to receive your word, to hear your voice, to let the lights come on, to draw near to you in the name of Jesus, almighty God, have your way in us. Lord, stir a hunger in us for more, for more of you. Lord, may we not settle for where we have been. Because there's always more of you available to us. God, we pray for an awakening in our hearts, a stirring, a hunger, a thirst to know you intimately in the mighty name of Jesus. God, have your way. Have your way in us. Have your way in us. Holy Spirit, right now, just come and touch each of our hearts. Let your presence awaken us. Let our spiritual eyes open. Let our spiritual ears be opened. In Jesus' name. There is more available for each one of us. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. We pursue that right now. Come on, let's say it. There's more for me right now. Come and say it, I believe with all my heart that my loving Heavenly Father is ready to pour out His goodness upon me. I receive in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may take your seats. So uh, in Franschuk, we were, sh- we were sharing with the guys that you need to position yourself in the presence of God if you want to see God move mightily through you. So with Pastor Richard, he has never experienced people being physically healed through his prayers. So they had this hunger on the inside of them for more 
And so we came the weekend and we explained to them and taught them and shared stories and God moved mightily. And so the, the Sunday evening, uh, he was he's a worshiper, so he was playing the guitar. And then about 25, 30 people that came forward on the altar call for, self, for, for, for healing. And he was like, no, man, he wants to pray for people. So over the weekend, he still, not have, he still hasn't prayed for somebody that was healed through his prayers. And uh, I, I just really knew that God's going to move mightily in the, that night. So anyway, so I said, Richard, man, leave the guitar. Come, pray for people. So he shared with us later, but there was a lady with multiple problems in her body. I think back problems, shoulder problems, knee problems, whole lot of things. So Richard said to us later, he came and he stood next to this lady. And he's like, Lord, you really need to, I've, I've, I've never seen you move through me, but I'm trusting you. So he stood next to her and he opened his hands. And he's like, Lord, come. <laughs> Let your presence come. And he said the next moment the power of God came upon him that his body began to shake under the power of God. And then he prayed for her and the power of God came upon this lady and she became loud as the power of God and the fire of God was burning through her body. And then all the conditions in her body was healed. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. But to see his excitement... I mean, he's, he's one of the guys on the apostolic team with me. And it was just for me amazing. Even a few weeks ago, we were having a video call. And uh, see, I'm sort of in the church family. I've been the one pushing the, guys, we need more of the Holy Spirit. Guys, God is powerful. He wants to heal and deliver. He wants to move mightily. So I was sitting in the, one, in the video call with the other apostolic team members. And then Richard was starting to share. And saying, guys. We need to pursue the power of the Holy Spirit. And then he said he'd been preaching for five weeks and Andre and them, they are coming and they are trusting the Lord for an outpouring and a move of his spirit in the church. And we need this. And he was going off like that. And I was like, yeah, yeah, what he's saying, what he's saying. I agree. <laughs> but it was awesome just to, to see God is stirring. He's across the body of Christ. He's, he's stirring in people a hunger for more. People are tired of dead religion. They are tired of just going through the motions. I, was, I mean, it was, it was mind-boggling what God did, especially the Sunday night. Was, was, I was blown away. Praise God. So I want to share with you today about the whole way to heaven. About three years ago, I touched on some of these concepts. I want to relook some of these concepts. It's about prayer. It's about a lifestyle of prayer. You see there the picture of a hallway, all these doors, and at the end there. You know, that, that for me is a, a, a metaphor for moving closer to God. Moving into the throne room. At the end of that hallway, that's where the throne room of God is. And every one of us, if you and I want to, to be in His presence, because from His presence, that's when things get beautiful. That's when, he, when our prayers are heard. That is when the kingdom truly comes. And that is when our spiritual walk with God is, is, is exciting. It's joyful. But so many people stay in the hallway. They don't make it to the throne room. And so I want to share a few uh, uh, principles around how you and I can go all the way down the hallway, all the way into the very presence of God to see His kingdom come. It's been said, He who kneels the most stands the best. 
He who kneels the most stands the best. When you and I find ourselves with a, a joy-filled prayer life, we will, we will experience the strength and the power of God within us to overcome our circumstances. He who kneels the most stands the best. Okay, so, so I'm, I'm trusting, I want to just start off with Isaiah 56. I want to share a few concepts around the why prayer and why we need to pursue this place of prayer. And then we're going to look at a few um, obstacles of what keeps us from praying and what keeps us from going down that hallway. Okay, so Isaiah, uh, Isaiah 56 verse 7, it says, Even them I will bring to my holy mountain. And make them joyful in my house of prayer. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. Now last week, Hink started to preach about prayer. And I want to continue on what he was sharing. But it says here, even them I will bring, I will bring to my holy mountain. So, so, so what this connects with what Hink shared last week about the spirit of supplication, the spirit of grace. The Lord is saying, I will bring my people to my holy mountain. Now, the holy mountain represents the, where the tangible presence of God is. That's where the, that's the, the throne room of heaven. You see, you and I can be physically here, but our spirit can move into the throne room of God and stand before the living God. And so, this is, I will bring to my holy mountain. I will bring them to my holy mountain, and I will make them joyful in my house of prayer. One of the greatest joys in life is that place of prayer. It is not a place of hard work. It is a place of being in His presence and then partnering with God, but being full of joy. It's like when you are in His presence, there's fullness of joy. So so for those who feel like, oh, prayer is boring, dry, painful, you're missing it. You're in the hallway. You are not in the throne room. When you're in the throne room, you never want to leave. When you're in the throne room, you want to, I want to live there. You know, so this is, I, I, a large part of my life is just, I, I, I would just wait upon God. I would sit somewhere in my prayer chair and be reading scripture or worshiping and just waiting upon God and just drawing near to Him. And you can sense something shifts when you walk down this hallway. It's like, I'm coming closer, I'm coming closer, I'm in. And then things begin to happen. But the Lord says, I will bring to my holy mountain. So you can partner with the Holy Spirit. You can say, Holy Spirit, I so want to pray. I so want to have a life-giving prayer life. I want to know you. I want to walk. God, Holy Spirit, come alongside and lead me. Lead me. So the Holy Spirit is our partner. And it says, and make them joyful. So there's that joy component that God wants to bring. And for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. In other words, people will look at the church of Jesus Christ and they're going to say, hey, they are a praying bunch. Are you a praying person? If not, well, how, how about making a shift today and say, God, man, I want to. Partner with the Holy Spirit. Anything is possible when you begin to partner with the Holy Spirit. So we were at uh, Franschuk. We're doing the, the, this sort of a training in the supernatural. I was explaining to the guys about the, the Holy Spirit coming alongside us, the Holy Spirit and, and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And then I said to the guys, okay, everybody pray in tongues. 
Okay, for those who don't know what tongues, praying in tongues is your spirit. You are soul, spirit, and body. So I said to him, let your spirit now speak to God through your mouth. Not your brain speaking, your spirit speaking. You don't understand a word, what you're saying. But what often happens is, is that you actually begin to speak in a known language, sometimes unknowingly, supernaturally. So anyway, so now we're praying in tongues. I'm trying to demonstrate to them the, the power of the Spirit. And I've shared some stories about, about the Lord using me to, to speak in different human languages supernaturally. And, and so while we're praying, and I'm praying, the one word stands out. As I'm praying in tongues, the one word stands out. Molotzi. Molotzi. I'm saying Molotzi. What the heck is this? <laughs> but it's standing out. So I take out Google Translate, the app. I type in Molotzi. And the translation is counselor in Sesutu. And the weekend's about the impact of the Holy Spirit, about power of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and when I received that word, the, the, the Holy Spirit started to give me other uh, a prophetic word to the people that the Holy Spirit is the counselor. He comes alongside. So in that moment, by the Holy Spirit, supernaturally, I got a word in Sesutu. So because God was wanting to tell everybody, guys, my Holy Spirit is your counselor. He's the one who comes alongside you. He's the one that shows you what to pray and how to pray it. He's the one that empowers you to be effective in the Spirit. So that all things would be possible. So I want to speak this over you. The Holy Spirit is your counselor. He wants to guide you. Well, but one, many of us, we don't walk down the hallway. We are in the passageway. We are not in the presence of God. And what, what's the result? You live by your own abilities. You live by your own strength instead of living by the power of the Holy Spirit. So there's a guy, Philip Yancey, he said, If prayer stands as the place where God and human beings meet, then I must learn about prayer. It's the place where God and humans meet. It is the doorway between earth and heaven when we pray, when we exercise our spirit to connect with God who is spirit. One of the definitions of prayer is that it is at its simplest level, it is simply a meeting with God. That's prayer. It's a meeting with God. But so many people feel burdened to pray, feel guilty to pray. They feel, oh, I'm not doing enough, not praying enough. No, it's a meeting with God. A joyful, love-filled, edifying, wonderful encounter with the living God. And he sort of said, God, well, what's on your heart? Who's on your heart? Let's together pray for them. It's supposed to be joyful. And so Jesus uh, his disciples asked him to teach them about prayer because they saw he was a praying. He was continuously praying. And they were wanting to learn about prayer. And so one of the things that happens is when we pray, is that one of the things we're taught to pray is say, Your kingdom come, your will be done. Come on, let's say it. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. So, so we are supposed to partner with God and then to release His kingdom on earth, and then immovable obstacles tend to move. And the kingdom comes. So I want to share the story with you. One of our ladies, you can put the photo up, up there, but Sandra, Sandra Kruger and her, her dad, Jan. 
So Sandra's not here today. She's in Cape Town. She's flying back, I think, later today or tomorrow, so she couldn't be here. But I wanted to share the story, so I asked her to send it to me. She said, this is a testimony about the body of Christ coming alongside and walking with each other, even when the breakthrough doesn't seem to come, to keep persevering, to keep hoping, and to keep lifting one another's arms when someone is suffering. We celebrate the miracles, but I also want to celebrate the loving each other through the valleys, the prayers and supplications that carries us through. Okay, so give me, give me some background. Almost two years ago, my dad was diagnosed with prostate, prostate cancer. After extensive treatment, two big operations, the cancer count thankfully dropped sufficiently, but he lost the ability to pass water or to urinate. He has lived with a permanent catheter inserted straight through his abdomen into his bladder since then. With constant pain, bladder infections, chronic antibiotics, and the discouragement of specialists who couldn't do anything more. We and many others prayed and prayed and trusted God so many times in the season with no sign of improvement or change. We saw many other people getting touched and healed, but experienced a disappointment every time that our breakthrough wasn't happening. My dad was becoming more and more discouraged, doubting his own credibility to pray for the healing, for, for healing for others. In February, my dear friends Kuba and Dion, guys here in the front, wave, <laughs> invited me to pray with them for my dad and to trust God for, for his and some specific others' healing. They failed to do communion seven days in a row. We couldn't meet every day, but started getting together about twice a week to break bread together and to celebrate and proclaim the victory of the cross of our loved ones. Part of the story is the power of communion. Our third get-together was on a Thursday, short and simple, putting our faith together and choosing to trust again. On the Saturday, my dad sent me a message on our family group saying that a miracle had happened. During the last 48 hours, he had 90% improvement and could suddenly urinate by himself. 48 hours before that message was Thursday night, the exact time that we prayed together. On the Tuesday after that, he went to the specialist and had him remove the catheter. The specialist had no medical explanation and kept shaking his head, expecting my dad to be back any day to put it back in. It has now been four weeks since then. My dad is healed. He also doesn't have the pain anymore. We're also thankful to God for answering our prayers. I don't know why it took two years, but I'm so humbled and grateful to my friends who stood with us and kept believing. And we are still trusting for our other loved ones to receive breakthrough. I love that we can do this together. And that as believers, we truly are never alone. Amen. Give Jesus glory for that. Amen. So in Franschhoek, there was a lady with migraine problems, or she stood in the gap for her mom with migraine problems, and her mom who was at home was healed of the migraines. We were here in East London at the Cambridge Outreach. We prayed for two ladies who were in King Williamstown, 55 k's away, and they were healed. And one committed their life to Christ. Praise God. And now they prayed. And a thousand kilometers away, someone was healed of their problems. Praise God. So there's no limit with the Lord. There's no limit. There's no, there's no, no limit to what God can do if we would pray with faith. 
So the Lord is stirring my faith. I'd like to have lay hands on people. I want you to be here. Be healed in Jesus' name. But I feel God is saying, don't limit me. We see it even in the scriptures where Jesus just spoke a word and then people would be healed who weren't present at that moment. So let's quickly look at this. Ephesians 6 verse 10. The power of prayer. And and this is the beauty of it. When you and I pray, we are turned from hapless beggars into princes in heaven. We were transformed. We, you and I become a prince or a princess in heaven, and we can release the angel armies of God to move forth and the kingdom of God to come. But so many of us see ourselves as small, hapless beggars. No, we, we can change the atmosphere. We can release a miracle into somebody's life. So it says in Ephesians 6.10, Now, my beloved ones, I have saved these most important truths for lost. Be supernaturally infused with strength. Through your life union with the Lord Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? Be supernaturally infused with strength. Through your life union with the Lord Jesus. This is about an intimate prayer life. Your life union, your connection to God is this supernatural strength that flows from that place. Stand victorious with the force of His explosive power flowing in and through you. It's been said, the more you pray, the less you will panic. The more you worship, the less you will worry. You'll feel more patient and you'll feel less pressure. The more you pray, the less you will panic. Like Steve said, the more you freak up instead of freaking out. The more you freak up, the less you'll freak out. And the more you worship, the more, the less you will worry. So many of us are stressed and burdened with the cares of life. And why? Because... Maybe you do pray, but maybe you're not walking down all the way into the very tangible presence of God. You need to go all the way down. You need to press in. You need to pursue. Keep on going until you are in His glorious presence. And then Ephesians 6.11 speaks about the spirit war and the strategies of the enemy that wants to keep us out of the throne room of God. It says in verse 11, put on God's complete set of armor provided for us. So that you will be protected as you fight against the evil strategies of the accuser. Come on, say it. Say accuser. The enemy is an accuser. So he comes to accuse you. You're like, man, I'm going to spend some awesome time with God today. You got up. You're psyched. You're ready. You get up and you're like walking down the passageway. You're on your way to the glory. The accusations begin. Who do you think you are? What do you think you're doing? You're not good enough. You're not good enough. God's not going to listen to your prayers. So the enemy comes and accuses you. Oh, what are you trying? Are you trying to be spiritual today? You're not spiritual. You're nobody. You know? Have you heard that voice before? <laughs> the enemy accuses and accuses this voice that accuses us to keep us from entering. It says but that you might fight, might fight against the evil strategies of the accuser. Verse 12, your hand-to-hand combat is not with human beings but with the highest principalities and authorities operating in rebellion under the heavenly realms, for they are a powerful class of demon gods and evil spirits that hold this dark world in bondage. Because of this, you must wear all the armor that God provides so you're protected as you confront the slanderer. There you have it again. The slanderer, he accuses, he accuses, he accuses, he slanders continuously to steal our faith 
so that we would not enter the presence of God. For you are destined for all things and will rise victorious. Amen. You will rise victorious. The only reason the enemy is powerful is because of his lies. It's not really powerful. But the lies make him powerful if we believe it. So the enemy comes and accuses us. So, so, so it's all the, the prayer process. You're wanting to walk down that passageway. You're wanting to, as Jesus, as, as the Word of God says, Jesus opened a new and living way for us into the very presence of God. He's torn the veil. Every one of us are invited by the living God. He says, come into my presence. Come and receive my love, my goodness, and all I have for you. Come and let my Holy Spirit come alongside you and guide you and lead you and empower you, my counselor. Come. So now what happens is you're walking down this passageway. And if you look at, if maybe go to the very first slide right at the top, then you can see the picture. You'll see all the doors on the side. It's called options. You want to go all the way into the presence of God, but now you and I have options. Options to do something else. Options to, instead of now praying, man, I'm going to watch a YouTube video. Instead of entering His presence and pushing into His, into his fullness, you have an option to go onto Facebook. Uh, who's done that? You want to pray, like, man, let me just quickly check a little bit of Facebook. Come on. I've done that. Come on. I'm sure some of you have. You want to, you, you, you're like, man, I'm psyched. I'm going to spend time with God today. I'm going to enjoy His presence. I'm going to partner with Him. I'm going to start the day on the right foot. But now suddenly you have another option, another door. And I believe this is our biggest challenge in Western society to become a house of prayer. We have so many other options. In the history of the world, we have never had as many options as we have right now. And it's all accessible via your phone. (laughs) So many options, and the options are keeping us from moving into the fullness of God's presence. So I believe this is our biggest... So the enemy comes and he distracts us. Thoughts that comes and he wants to distract you to look other places. And if the enemy can't get you into sin, he will just keep you busy. The busyness, the busyness, the busyness. Later, oh, I'm going to spend time with God. No, let's watch a movie. Let's watch a series. Let's do something, whatever. Pursue your hobby. And so we are all busy, 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 busy. And we're not entering the presence of God. So one of the biggest schemes of the enemy is distractions. Come on, say distractions. Distractions. The scheme of the enemy. So your challenge and my challenge is to shut those doors. Even worse, our affections go other places. Our hearts move other places. So what happens is you go a little bit through this door and you give a little bit of your heart over here. And then you go through that door and you give a little bit of your heart over there. 
And then you go down the passage, and you go through another door, a little bit over there, 10% there, 15% there, 20% there, another 20% there. And then you come to the end of the, uh, of the row, you say, God, I am here. There are half percent of you. And you all everywhere else, even worse when it becomes addictions and sins that bind us. It's like these chains that are hooked into our hearts. And you want to walk down that passageway. You want to enter his presence, but you can't because all these hooks and chains are keeping you out. The battle is real. The enemy has neutralized the body of Christ because of all the distractions. All the other things that we give ourselves to. I believe this is our biggest, single biggest challenge. For Western Christians. Huh? Wouldn't it be good if we just had a hut somewhere in nowhere? No options, no internet, no nothing. Then we can just pray. I think that's why the monks went to the, did their thing. And that was even without the internet. Goodness gracious. But there's an invitation for you and me to enter his presence. To enter his fullness. To know him. To, to know his guidance. To partner with God. To see the kingdom of God come. Are you distracted? Have you already given your affection so many other places that when you want to just worship Jesus, your mind is somewhere else? And I'm not saying that to condemn or to bring guilt. I'm just saying that you can become aware and say, hey, sure, something needs to change. Because you can't. If you're not wholehearted, there's a beautiful prayer, uh, scripture that says, Lord, unite my heart that I might fear your name. Make my heart one. Because when my heart is one, I can engage with you. Come on, let's say, Lord, make my heart one. That's, that, 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 that's when you're going to encounter the living God. Ephesians 6 verse 18, another uh, trap that we fall, it reveals another trap. It says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. I want to highlight the perseverance. How does it work? We start on our prayer when we got up, say, 6 o'clock in the morning. Now you're going to spend some time with Jesus. Now you just get going on your, you're walking down the hallway. You've gone for about two minutes and you're like, yeah, thanks, Jesus, bless you, cheers. I've done my little bit, tick box, yes, read my scripture, read my little devotional. I am blessed. Moving on. But you never entered. You didn't persevere. You didn't continue. You didn't go for another, well, another, come on, another 10 minutes, another 20 minutes, another 30 minutes. What about taking an hour or two and giving it to Jesus? Say, Lord, here I am. I've got nothing else to do, just you. You see, but you need to close those doors that you don't have other options. No, door closed, no, close, close, close. Jesus, I've got nothing else to do. It's you and me. Then your heart will be wholly focused on God. So praying with perseverance. The distractions and the other thing is the flaming arrows that come. Now this is one of the, the big challenges. Look at this. 1 John 3 verse 20. So one of the schemes, simply distractions. Now the other schemes is flaming arrows. The enemy comes and he throws an arrow, a thought at your heart and mind. He says things to you like, I mentioned someone already, but hey, you're not good enough. Man, God is angry with you. You're not holy enough. You, you haven't done enough to earn your way into his presence. When was the last time you prayed? And now you want to come? What do you think you're doing? But it's so, a so flaming arrows. And what happens is, is verse 
this verse, this verse speaks about condemnation. It speaks about our hearts condemning us. So what happens is the following. The enemy shoots an arrow at your heart. Something like, you're not good enough, as an example. Your heart takes that lie, and you begin to self-accuse. The enemy shoots an arrow, a lie. You embrace the lie, and now you, you're, you be, begin to accuse yourself. And he has tricked you. He has deceived you. Look at this verse 20, 1 John 3, 20. It says, for if our heart condemns us, do you see it there? If our heart condemns, when we condemn ourselves that we're not lovable or love, that God doesn't care about us, doesn't love us, we're not good enough, we're not spiritual enough, etc. He says, if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. I mean, I'm, I'm amazed when I spend time with people, when I travel or when I just, just engage with people, I am amazed at how much self-condemnation we find ourselves in. Self-accusations. It's not even the devil anymore. He just shot the l- a little arrow there. You take it like, yeah, I suck. I'm, I'm, I'm terrible. I'm not good enough. How many times I have to sp- spend time with people and they honestly don't believe that God can work through them. They, they, they can't believe that God can use little old them. It's a lie. It's a lie from the pit of hell where the enemy accuses us. And what happens is when condemnation sets in, we go down a spiral. Ah, I'm, I'm a stuff up. So anyway, let's drink more. Let's have the extra beer. Let's go, um, or, or, or whatever it is, we go down the, a path of, because of the condemnation and the self-accusation, we say, ah, what's the point of trying to live holy in any case? And we go down the spiral of self-destruction. But it says, and this is beautiful, if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart. And He knows all things. If our heart condemns us, if these voices accuse us, especially when you've, you've made a mistake, let's say you've done something, you made a mistake, not even a mistake, you just made a mistake. And suddenly you're just feeling this overwhelming guilt and condemnation upon you. It is not of God. And I believe God wants to set people free today from that thing that, that, that oppresses and lies and condemns and ultimately disconnects us from God. We don't get into His presence because of the lies. But if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and He knows all things. He knows all your stuff. Do you know that? He knows every little thing you've done wrong, every motivation that was incorrect. He knows all about you and He loves you passionately. He is not phased by your stuff. You need to get this. He's passionate about you. When your heart condemns you, He is greater than your heart. He's greater than your heart. He's greater than your heart. He wants to pick you up out of that pit of the self-pity and despair. And I'm not good enough. I'm never going to be good enough. Just look at my, my life or whatever it might be. He wants to come and pick you up, dust you off and say, you're my boy. You're my girl. You're my favorite. Come on, let's say I'm God's favorite. You need to believe it. He's so big, you can be his favorite. Every one of us can be his favorite. He's massive. He's able. But it says, beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. If our, if our heart, it's not even the devil. If, if our heart does not condemn us, We 
have confidence toward God. Now, the word condemn, it basically means to express complete disapproval of. Condemn. To express complete disapproval of. If my heart condemns me, then my own heart is expressing complete disapproval of me. When I was 18, 19 years old, I became a Christian. I hated myself. I did this. Look at myself in the mirror and say, you stuff up. I hate you. Look at your life. I did this. And I know some of us do this. Self-hatred. Complete disapproval of me. It's to attack. It's to criticize. It's to denounce. It's to deplore, revile, blame, chastise, reprimand. It's like an agent of destruction that is slipped in behind your walls, your into your internal atmosphere, sold you a lie, and you've taken that lie, and now you are busy to destroy yourself. Self-condemnation. To express complete disapproval of yourself. And maybe it's not a continuous thing for us, but maybe there's just these moments. These moments where we experiences, especially when I approach God. I believe as you're walking down that hallway, there are these demonic spirits there wanting to, hey, (laughs) no, stop. Wanting to keep you and me from entering His presence. These voices. But God is greater than our heart. Who are you to accuse yourself when Almighty God does not accuse you? If you've committed your life to Jesus, your sins have been removed. Who are you or I to accuse ourselves and to find fault with ourselves when Almighty God says, I love you, I've paid the price for you. Now come, I want you in my presence. Come as you are. I want you in my presence. He he calls you and me his beloved. Come on, let's say it, I am his beloved. Can you believe that? You are his beloved. Look at this, Hebrews 10, verse 12. It says, but this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. From that time, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. Verse 14, for by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Now that's a mind-blowing scripture. Let me read that last verse 40. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. In other words, he perfects you, blameless, pure, holy, and then he begins the process in you to ultimately do that in you. But by faith, you are perfected. You need to get this. Otherwise, you're always going to feel I'm not good enough. You're always going to feel I can't come. I can't come boldly to the throne of God. I can't can't approach God as I should because I am not holy enough. He says, I have perfected you by my sacrifice once. So you are righteous. You are holy. You can, God, here I come. You've done it all for me. You've paid the price. And so Jesus comes and he comes and he sits at the right hand of the Father. And so he wants you to also come and sit at the right hand of the Father. Take up your place. There's this place in the Spirit where the Lord wants you to come and take, to come and take up. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Come on, say no condemnation. 
trying to help you. I'm trying to equip you. Because what you need to do is you need to learn a lifestyle of agreeing with the truth and speaking this over your life. You need to say it. You need to say it. I am a saint. You need to say it. I am holy in Christ. Not by my works. By his works. His finished works. This is who I am. Psalm 103 speaks about this. It says, this is King David. And he is speaking to his own soul. He speaks to him, him, his inner self. And he's basically saying, stop condemning yourself. Stop accusing yourself. Stop taking on the lies of the enemy. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Look at that. Psalm 103, verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. (laughs) Come on, can we read that together? Let's read that together. It's a good scripture to read together. Let's say it. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. Bless, so you may say, everything within me, bless the Lord. No more self-condemnation, no longer receiving the lies of the enemy. Everything within me, bless His holy name. God, you've done it all. I can boldly come. I'm your son, I'm your daughter. I am welcome in your presence. Come on, let's say, I'm welcome. Yes, in His presence you are. You are. God wants to rock your world like you've never seen. But you need to renounce the lies of the enemy and boldly enter into his presence. How do you do this? Through worship, through declarations, through agreeing with the truth, through perseverance, through putting out the time. Like, no, not just two minutes. I'm sitting aside an hour or two. I'm seeking the face of God. Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to get into the place where, where I will know that joy. I want, I, want, I want to partner with you to see your kingdom come on earth. Nothing compares. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Everything within me. Bless Him, bless Him, bless Him, bless Him. So we want to have communion this morning, so the, the, the guys, you can, you can hand out the communion. I want to read this verse, and I want to highlight the power of communion. Even like Dion and Quiba and Sandra, who had communion, on the third time they had communion, Sandra's dad was healed in Cape Town. We underestimate the power of communion. So we have been, I have been having communion almost daily. And, and we could feel a shift in our family in, in, and in our marriage as we would daily have communion. It just, you just have more peace, you have more joy, and you experience the blessings of God. So look at this verse to give you as the guys handed out. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 14. It says, Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to wise men. Judge for yourselves what I say. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we, though many, are one bread and one body, for we all partake of that one bread. 
So he says there, first bit, flee from idolatry. Do you know what that looks like? Close those doors. <laughs> Close those doors. If you want to know God, I mean, if you don't want to know God, that's fine, huh? But if you want to know God intimately, you need to close those doors. God help me to close some doors, some distractions. Not even sins, it's just distractions. Close the doors. There's this beautiful thing for those who battle with their phones and uh, the distractions on their phones. You can download an app locker. So what you do is you download the app and you say, man, I must be off Facebook for the next month. So you ask your friend or your spouse, please put a pin code in there. I I need to be off Facebook for a month. It is destroying me. I can't spend time with Jesus. It's not a sin to do Facebook. It's just a distraction if you do it too much. So how about this? Download the app and block a few things. Block YouTube. Block whatever. Block these sites. that It's just like, man, I just need to spend time with Jesus. I'm just putting it out there. You don't need to. Just uh, be a suggestion. But it says, flee from idolatry, things that steal your affections. And then it says, and this is so powerful. It says, the cup of blessing, which we bless. Is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? Isn't that amazing? He's saying, this is a cup of blessing. Man, it's amazing. The cup of blessing. In other words, when you and I partake of the cup, when we celebrate the blood of Jesus that was shed for us, it is a cup of blessing. It's like you open an access point for heaven to flow into your life. You open an environment where the, where the blessings of God can flow in. Yo, I'm so excited. I want to have communion. The cup of blessing. Instead of the cup of cursing. The cup of blessing that you and I have the opportunity in our homes, in our workplace, to have take bread, to have communion, to celebrate the victory of Jesus Christ, and to enforce that victory into our lives. Say, God, I receive the cup of blessing for our family, for our home, for our business. This is significant. It's the cup of blessing. And then he says, and the bread which we break... This is not the communion of the body of Christ. For we, though many, are one bread and one body. For we all partake of that one bread. Come on, say one. The bread represents unity. Supernatural unity. Oneness for us as a church. But for, for you and your spouse, if you're married. For you and your family. When you come together over the body of Christ and the cup of blessing, it is the body of unity and the cup of blessing. So what if you and I would begin at least weekly, but what if you would do it daily, you and your spouse or you and a friend, and you would say, God, we receive unity. Knit our hearts together. God, we receive blessing as we receive the blood of the Lamb. We enforce your victory over our lives. Guys, there's something about communion that gives us access to the blessings of God. This is just a piece of bread. We don't worship the piece of bread. It's just some juice. We don't worship the juice. But it's it's a, a physical access point for our faith or a, or a, a, 
something that we can attach our faith to. So God, thank you for what you've done for us. Thank you for listening. Find more on Shofar East London's podcast channel. Let's do life together.